doesn't take long to listen to news or read headlines in the paper or on your social media to um, maybe get a little anxious, a little frustrated, a little wondering what's going on in the world. Um, you have the war on Ukraine that is in the news, uh, hearing that Russia just annexed the four regions on the eastern part of Ukraine and um, has now calling for peace, which is ironic. Um, we have all the conversation around human sexuality and whether it's the LBGTQ agenda or it's the hookup culture or people talking about their body count, uh, meaning how many people you've slept with, and nowadays the larger your body count, the better. Um, Stuff about what is being taught in our schools gets played in our news media. Economy is an issue. We've got midterm elections just a month away, just right around the corner. Um, all of this stuff weighs on us and it kind of becomes emotionally charged because we have strong opinions on various things. For us who are older, we're probably wondering what has happened or what is happening to our country, uh, what happened to the good old days. For the younger generation, that this is all that they've known, and so what do we do? How, how do we respond? We don't know anything different. And so as we begin this new series, What Do I Do About?, we're going to be talking about some of these issues, and we're going to frame it all in this, as a follower of Jesus, living in the 21st century today, how do I respond to these different issues? There's a couple things we need to know before we step into this journey, into this series. Uh, The first thing that we need to know is that uh, we live in a post Christian culture. You've heard me say it before, I will say it again, and I'll keep saying it, because we need to be reminded of what is true, not that the post-Christian culture is true, no, but that is our culture today. Yes, The United States of America was founded on biblical principles. That was 250 years ago. A lot has happened. A news report put out by Pew Research Center um, published uh, some results from a survey, a research survey they did. Uh, They published it just a few weeks ago. And they found that there's a surge of adults leaving Christianity to become either atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. Agnostic being those who think there's nothing you can know that will tell you that God exists or a God exists. So they don't, they don't believe in anything really spiritual. So people are either becoming atheist or agnostic or nothing in particular. The prediction from this research by the Pew Research Center is that if nothing changes and those under 30 continue to abandon their faith, 
that by the year 2045, Christians will be the minority in the United States of America. Now, part of their study showed this, that those Americans who identified as Christian in the 1990s, it was about 90%. Two years ago, it's only 64%. Now, just and remind you, when it says identify as Christian, that means not just, not, those, uh, not just those who call themselves followers of Jesus that attend church on a regular basis and that kind of stuff, but those who are out there and because maybe their mom and dad went to church or maybe they went to church when they were young or whatever, if they were asked what religion they are, they would call themselves a Christian. That's what it means, identify as a Christian. So, in the 90s, it was 90%, but today... It is down to 64%. And so you can see if it continues at this rate, and nothing changes. The number of those Americans who are religiously unaffiliated, they don't attach themselves to anything. Christian, Muslim, Mormon, anything. They don't attach themselves with anything. In 2007, that was 16%. 2020, it's up to 29%. More and more people in our country are becoming religiously unaffiliated. They're not connected with anything. Again, we live in a post-Christian culture. It was interesting because the American Bible Study did um, also did... Um, a little bit of their own study on what people are thinking about the Bible today. Um, and here's some things that they found out. Um, how do you think our country would be without the Bible? That was the question that was asked. 14% said better off. We'd be better off if there was no Bible. said, no change. No better, no worse. The Bible, in essence, doesn't make any difference. 45% said we'd be worse off without the Bible. So in other words, again, over 50% of the people in our country believe that the Bible makes no apparent difference difference. Now when you break this down by generation, and I think we all know this, those who are 60 years of age and older, 60% of them say, yeah, our country would be worse off without the Bible. But when you talk about people under 30, it's only about 30%. or 30% think that our country would be worse off. The point is, We live in a post-Christian culture. So, as we are having this conversation about how we respond, what do we do as followers of Jesus? And part of that conversation is about what do we do out there? We have to have this mind frame that we live in a post-Christian. Christian culture. That doesn't mean we change our belief system. No, we're we're gonna go. We're gonna look at the Bible. This is where we're gonna we're gonna go here because this is our this is our standard. This is our place. But it does impact our response out there. 
The other thing we need to know is this. Biology. How our brains function. Like, biology. (laughs) Why are we talking about biology? I'm glad you asked. Now, if you remember, when we were going through 1 Corinthians, they talked about our brains being these cognitive misers that they don't like to, they're, they're like a muscle. After a while, they get tired. That's why if you are doing a lot of thinking, after a while, you just get tired mentally. That's your brain. It's the cognitive miser. And there's these neural pathways, and we think a certain way. Our brains take us from one thought to another, and once we get going, that thought process, we stay there. Our brains don't veer off of that. It becomes a runt until we do something significant to change. And so that was the cognitive miser thing that we talked about. But today what I want us to do is to look at our brain and see the three main parts of our brain, and I'll let you know why this is important. The top part, the neocortex, is... The thinking part of our brain. This is where we do our reasoning and organizing our world. And this is where our convictions and our belief systems are. And our choices. It's all in the neocortex part of our brain. This is reasoning. Okay? The middle part, the blue, is the socio-emotional. This is the limbic system. And this is where our emotions and our feelings lie. And this is where our blood pressure goes out of whack when our emotions and our feelings can get going. This is um, where we bond with other people and we experience community and we get these warm feelings and sometimes these very sad feelings. Again, the limbic part of our brain is where our emotions are. The bottom part in red is the fight or flight, the basal ganglia or your amygdala. This is, if, if you get faced with something, it's fight or flight. You're, boom, there, there is no choice. When you get thinking down in the, uh, in, in the fight or flight mode in your amygdala, when you get down here, there, you don't have any choice anymore. You just respond the way you're just wired to respond. So, for example, if you um, are walking along and you hear a rustling in a bush, this is an example that's given, and you, you pause for a second, and if this is your first time and you're wondering what it is, you're kind of reasoning, if a bear jumps out, now all of a sudden, boom, you've jumped out into your amygdala and you're running. Well, what happens is the next time you're walking along and some bushes rustle, you start fleeing because your experience tells you there's a bear there. Now, maybe a squirrel jumps out this time, but you, your heart rate just goes to from zero to 100, just like that. That's when you drop down to, into the, uh, the amygdala. Why is this important? When stress and anxiety are high, that's when our fight, in fight or flight is exaggerated. People become more thoughtless and insensitive, insensitive and more instinctive and automatic in this place. Now, the emotional part in our brain and the, and the fight or flight, the amygdala part of our brain, are important this is, helps us with survival. It, they are good, okay? God placed them there for a reason. But we also have to know that when we're up here, we reason, we think, 
And as our emotions get involved, we think less, we reason less, and we respond more. And we do that more insensitively. Wow. That might not be a word. Now, what we need to understand why this is so important is the media knows this. The media goes after your emotion. Read the headlines. It's all emotional driven. They want you to click. Because if they can get you to click, then they get you to their website, then they make more money. It's, they, their, their headlines have nothing to do with reason. They want you to click. That's why they call it clickbait. Now here's another thing. Preachers know how to do this too. Why did I give you those stats? I want to tap into your emotions. Not that I don't want you to think, but I wanted to engage you. And some of your best preachers online are masters of the emotion. <laughs> they, they preach to get you riled up. They want you to get you hot on something because then, then you're going to send them a $100 check. Or you're going to send their link to all your friends. Now, you just need to know that preaching 101 in seminary is all about having a good introduction that taps into the heart of people. I was trained to do this. Okay? So, so again, it's not bad, bad. Because our emotions are important and we need to gain our emotions. But... When we listen to a preacher, read a news article, we have to know when we're dropping into our emotional part of our brain because we reason less. So, as we talk about what I do about, I'm going to try and help us get out of our emotion and into our reasoning part of our brain. We'll look at what the God's Word says and what God's Word doesn't say. Okay? Now, I, I'm going to be a little biased on some things. I'm going to be straight up. That's, that's me. This, this is where I stand on whatever the issue may be. And you'll hear that. But I expect you to use your reasoning part of your brain and... Discern. Discern. Is, is what Brad's saying, on, is that right or is Brad off? Use your brains. And then when we take these topics and it comes to family gatherings and we talk about politics or we talk about other things that are really important to us, the reasons why that families divide around this is because we have that conversation in our emotional part of our brain. And sometimes it drops down into our amygdala. 
and then we're toast. <clears throat> Just last, <clears throat> this last week, Jerry wanted help with something for her work. And I found myself dropping into the emotion part of my brain. And I had to immediately do the best I could to stop. I know my brain. I know when my blood pressure is going up. And I know when I'm, I'm like, okay, this is not going to a place where it should go. Sometimes I can stop it. Sometimes Terry and I just need to go to different parts of the house. Because my amygdala is starting to go crazy. And the crazy thing about the amygdala is when you fly down into the amygdala and it's hot and it's going, is that sometimes it can take a long time before it comes down again. Now there's one book that Terry read a long time ago called The Matrix. And they talked about, if your amygdala goes whack, go take 20 minutes and separate yourself. Cool yourself down. So, um, that's, that's all introductory stuff on what I think is important for us as we move forward in this conversation about what do I do about. It is recognizing, one, that we live in a, in a post-Christian world, so let's just let's use our brains and just acknowledge that and get thinking that way. The second thing is, it's recognizing that I need to pay attention to when my brain, I drop down into the emotional and the amygdala, fight or flight, flight part of my brain. And if I'm in a conversation there, I need to stop the conversation and move out. A couple weeks ago, I sent out a survey and got some input from you on questions that you had. These were some great questions like, what do I do about a family member who says they are gay? What do I do about a school that is teaching and then whatever the thing it is that was important to that person? What do I do about arguments that I have with my family over politics and there's divide? I mean, the list went on and I appreciate so much the conversation and, and the topics that you did. We, we also took some time as our adult ministry team to talk about some additional topics and then our staff, we went through all of these, and it was interesting because the thing that popped for our staff is that the first thing we need to deal with, which we are going to deal with today, is discernment. Before we can talk about any topic, we need to talk about discernment. And so today, I'm going to talk to, to us about the keys to discernment. Um, it's amazing... When you focus on a word and you start reading the Bible, how this word just keeps... So as I'm reading, going through different passages, I'm focusing on discernment. It's like all these different verses start popping up. And it's like, wow, discernment's a big deal in the Bible. Maybe we followers of Jesus should follow what the Bible said, right? Also, it's interesting that discernment is a learned Meaning, if you don't feel like you have a very, you're not very good at discerning, you can learn to do better. Age and experience help us with discernment, right? I mean, 
I do a way better job discerning today than I did 20 years ago or whatever. So, here are some keys to discernment. The first one is, and I'm going to use the acronym DISCERN, so you can tell exactly how many points I have. All right? And I'm not going to take a long time with each of them. Yeah. Good luck with that, right? The first um, key to discernment is depend on God. One of the most really familiar passages is found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Many of you probably have this memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Um, it, it's pretty, pretty simple. It, it's trusting in the Lord. It's acknowledging right up front that the Lord's way is the best way. It may not be the easiest way. It may not be a pain-free way, but it is the way. And to trust in the Lord with all your heart goes beyond just knowledge stuff. It means getting into your heart where this becomes who you are. You, you just, it's just the way you live. You live your life trusting the Lord. It's not a, it, it gets even beyond reasoning because you just do it. Talking about neural pathways, that becomes your rut. No matter what you're facing, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust Him with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding on this. I'm going to submit to Him. He's the one that's going to make my path straight. The second discernment thing is I, instruction from God's Word. It's pretty simple, right? Our Discernment comes from the knowledge of God, getting to know God, and we get that from the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, another familiar passage says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so... We need to be, this is why we talk about being in God's Word. This is why God's Word is a core value. This is why last week when I talked about a spiritual practice, I talked about being in God's Word because it is profitable for us. It's God-breathed and it's profitable to correct and train, equip, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. S. Spirit's leading. Being spirit-led is also one of our core values. We know that without the Spirit guiding us and instructing us and teaching us the deep things of God, we can get off track. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So think about that. This Holy Spirit lives in you and is in communication with your spirit. That Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. 
We need to be Spirit-led. We need to be Spirit-led as we're reading God's Word. We need to be Spirit-led as we're going through life. It is paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in each and every area, each and everything that you come in. And listening for the Holy Spirit and understanding the Holy Spirit comes with, you get better at it by being in God's Word and by practicing it, by actually paying attention to the Holy Spirit. You're going to make mistakes at times. That's okay. Just keep listening to Holy Spirit. Next one. Counsel of others. Listen to others. You've read God's Word. You sense the Spirit speaking to you. Now, go talk to some other people. Proverbs 12.15 says this. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Go talk to other people. Say, here's what I'm thinking. This is what I'm sensing. What are you sensing? And then here's the other piece. Talk to people who have a different view than you on whatever it may be. Our problem is we, get, we keep listening to the same voices who believe exactly the way we do, and we keep getting off track farther and farther. So, just so you know, that there are followers of Jesus who are Catholic. We need to listen to them. There are followers of Jesus who are charismatic and Episcopalian and Methodist and Lutheran and from rural Minnesota and from urban Minnesota. You need to listen to them. This, this group of people, we, we don't we gotta listen to people outside of us who call themselves followers of Jesus. Next one. Execute. That doesn't mean killing somebody. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're trying to do an acronym, it gets really hard. E took me a long time. I'm just saying. Execute meaning just do it. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And we know that the foolish man doesn't put God's word into practice. And it's like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. We know that from this parable. Do it. Do it. Do it. So as we go through this, we're going to find in God's Word that God's Word is going to say some hard things to us. Things that may change how we've been doing things in the past. Execute. The last one, reverence before God. In other words, fear the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is, this is a reverence. This is a on my knees before the Lord posture. This is where 
This is, the, this is where beginning of knowledge begins. It's not like, I know the answer, and I'm going to show you in the Bible. I, here, here, it's, Father God, um, I need you. <laughs> this thing that we're facing in our world today, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure what, but, but today, because of my reverence for you, I'm on my knees before you, submitting my all to you. Psalms 111 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So the fear of the Lord is not to be only the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of wisdom. And in everything we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, everything we face in the world out there and, and even in here, we need his knowledge and his wisdom. The last thing, a new mind which means it's really okay to have God transform our way of thinking. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pop, proper worship. Do not conform into the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not one of us has the corner on all of God's will. All of us need to grow and be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which means Everything that we talk about over the next few weeks and everything we face, we should always be evaluating whether what we believe is actually true according to God's Word or if it's tradition that's been passed down or it's something, whatever it may be, we need to make sure. We need to always evaluate our thinking off of this. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. When we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we'll be able to test and improve God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So these are the keys to discernment. Depend on God, instruction from God's Word, Spirit's leading, counsel of others, execute, I probably shouldn't put behind there, just do it, reverence before the Lord in a new mind. And in closing today, I want to read what is for me and for staff, the theme verse of this series. We began last week, if you were here, by memorizing the first two verses of Philippians 4, 4 through 9, we Memorized here, 4 and 5, but I'm just going to read out all of Philippians 4, 4 through 9. 
And I want you to take these words in, because these are God's word. This is how we are to face every issue we come in contact with today. Every issue. We are to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. So Father, we, we're just going to bring all of this to you. We're going to hold on to the truth of your word. Every, everything that we're facing in our life today or this week, every issue that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, we, we, we bring it to you. We're going to rejoice in you. And we're going to keep on rejoicing. Um, and we're, we're going to let our gentleness be known to all because you're near. And then by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we're just going to keep giving it to you. We're going to keep giving it to you. And we're going to think about what is right and pure and true and noble we're, we're going to, and praiseworthy. We're going to think on those things. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in the world, we're, we're going to think on those things. And I pray, Father, you would begin a transformation in this place. That we would be people that when we walk into the world out there, People would know that the Lord is near because they're near us and you are in us. We surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.